Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. Today our executive pastor David Hardy will deliver a message regarding Jesus' great commission to his disciples and therefore us. You can follow along with this message in Matthew 28, 16 through 20 and Mark 16, 15 through 18. You can also find our weekly message outline and many other resources on our website at brookwoodchurch.org or on our Brookwood Church app. Yes, I think about God's love, God's forgiveness, God's mercy. Can't help but say how great you are. Amen? Yes. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for navigating your way in here. Appreciate your patience with our renovations over here on the north side. Hopefully that'll be through by next week, but if it's not... Hope you'll come in anyway. Appreciate you being here for the final message in our Life of Jesus series. We're in message 41 in this Life of Jesus book. In case this is your first time here, appreciate you coming for the final message. We'll start something uh, new in a couple of weeks. Um, But uh, we've been going through this book, which is actually a weaving together of the four accounts of Jesus' time on earth here as a human. And next Sunday, Pastor Perry will be back to kind of wrap up our series, do an overview, and uh, talk some about how God has worked in this series. And we'll share in the Lord's Supper as we remember what God has done during that time. I do want to say thank you for showing your love to Pastor Perry and his family during this last week. Uh, In case you don't know, his mom passed away Monday in Augusta, and they had the funeral this week, so obviously we gave him the week off to spend time with his family, but we appreciate your prayers for them. Um, Obviously, there's a mix of emotions for them, but uh, the good thing is they are celebrating that his mom is, is with Jesus in heaven, and so appreciate your prayers for them. In fact, why don't we just take a moment to pray for them together right now. Father, thank you for being with us. Thank you for your love for us. Lord, we lift up Perry and Leanne and Evan and Aubrey and their families as they remember uh, Perry's mom. Uh, We thank you for his mom, Joyce Duggar, for the influence that uh, you had on Perry through her, the example that she she was of, uh, of your love. And thank you for how she's influenced us through him. And we just pray for Perry and and Leanne and all them, and just pray for your peace and your comfort for them this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for praying with me. Well, today we are in reading 221 in this Life of Jesus book. If you are using a Bible, we will primarily be reading in Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20, a little bit in Mark 16, and you can also take out your message guide that we'll use to follow along with this passage. Today, my hope is that we can really get into the, the feel of what the disciples of Jesus were experiencing during this time, so I'll, I'll bring us up to date as to where we are in the, in the account of what's happening. If you remember, um, 
The disciples have spent about three years with this man, Jesus, who they have seen do miracles. Uh, They believe that he's the Messiah. They believe that he's sent from God to set the people of Israel free uh, from Roman rule. They think he's going to be the king. And then this leader, this one who's going to be the king, has been crucified. So it's kind of dashed their hopes of this man becoming king. Uh, They had observed supernatural powers in this man, but my belief is that likely they did not expect that Jesus had the power to rise from the dead. So I can imagine during this time when Jesus, um, uh, during the time where his body was in the grave, they're grieving the loss of their friend, Um, they're living in fear that they might be the next ones killed because they had been following this man who was killed. I imagine they were uncertain what they were supposed to do next. And then on the third day, after Jesus died, they saw him die. On the first day of the week, Sunday, Jesus miraculously appeared behind locked doors in a room where the disciples were and gave them convincing proof that he was alive. So talk about blowing your mind, talk about seeing something that's difficult to process. This leader is standing in front of them, their leader, their friend, he's right there with them. Now it seems that during this time between when Jesus uh, rose from the dead and his ascension into heaven about 40 days later, it seems that Jesus appears to his disciples, but then he He disappears for a while. He appears for a short time, says a few things to him, and then he's gone. And so I imagine that after he appeared on that Sunday, right after his resurrection, the disciples are still asking the question, what does all this mean? Jesus is alive, so what's about to happen now? What are we supposed to do now? What's happening next? So can you get a taste of, of what they may have been feeling? My leader, this, this man that I love and admire, that I think is going to be the king, he's died and now he's risen again. I know he loves me, but now I'm starting to think, just maybe this guy is the son of God. Just maybe he is God. So what's the purpose of all this? What, what am I supposed to do now? Have you ever asked that of God? I believe you love me, God. I believe you died for me. But what does all this mean for me? What am I supposed to do? What's my purpose? What's my mission in life? My hope today is that we'll see from from this passage, uh, as we look at the disciples, as we look at what Jesus said, my hope is that we'll, we'll find out what our life mission is. So discovering my life mission involves, number one, positioning myself to hear from God. Positioning myself to hear from God. So let's read the next step the disciples took. It's in reading 2.21, starting with Matthew 28, verse 16. It says, the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. So at this point... Jesus had already appeared to the disciples in Jerusalem 
on the Sunday evening of his resurrection. And I believe after this appearance, the disciples are asking, what do we do now? And they're probably saying, we need some more information. We need to talk to Jesus again. We need to go find where he is so he can help us understand what we're supposed to do next. And I can imagine they must have remembered what the women said, the women who had seen Jesus at the tomb, beside the tomb. Jesus had told them on the day he rose from the dead in Matthew 28, 10, he said, don't be afraid, go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. So I think these disciples are remembering Jesus said he would meet us in Galilee. And then in Matthew 26, 32, Matthew must have remembered back to when the disciples were sharing the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper with Jesus. And Jesus said in Matthew 26, 32, after I have been raised, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And so the disciples likely thought, as they're thinking, we, we need to talk with Jesus some more. Well, the last thing he told us is that he would meet us in Galilee. It's the last clear instruction we got from him. So let's go to Galilee. Maybe we'll see him there. Maybe we'll get some more understanding of what we're supposed to do next. So the disciples did not know yet their life mission. But what they did know was that after Jesus rose from the dead, they were to meet him in Galilee. They obeyed the last clear instruction they received from Jesus. And they put themselves in a place to hear from Jesus again. So how can you position yourself to hear from Jesus? Well, my suggestion is to start with whatever it is that you have already heard from Jesus. What's the last clear instruction that you've received from Jesus? If you've heard something, if you've read something that applies to you, start with that. Start obeying that. That's the first step to positioning yourself to hear from Jesus. So let me ask you, what is the last thing that you heard from Jesus? Maybe something you read, something you sensed in prayer. What's the last thing you heard clearly? For me, the last thing I heard clearly in, in asking him that question was from Matthew 7, verse 7. He said, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, keep on listening to what I have to say to you. So whatever it is, the last thing that you heard, do that last thing and keep seeking to hear from him again. Well, some of you might say, well, what if I'm not sure if I've heard anything from Jesus? What if I don't know how to position myself to hear from Jesus? Well, if you're not sure how to start hearing from Jesus or you're not sure if you can remember the last thing you heard that was specifically for you, then my suggestion is start with his words that we know for sure are from Jesus. Words which we've been going through for the last year, words from the scripture of what does Jesus have to say? So if you wanna get started on finding out your life mission, start with listening to the words of Jesus for you. If you don't have a Bible, get a Bible. We have some in our bookstore like this. If you don't have the money, you can say charge it to Perry Duggar. 
and they'll give you one. Or you can download the Bible app on your smartphone or on your tablet. Find a way to get a Bible and start in the New Testament. Start with the book of Matthew. Read a chapter a day. That's a good way to put yourself in the place to hear from God, to hear what he has to say to you. Take, take time while you're eating or in the bathroom or when you're taking a break or wherever you can get time to read a chapter a day from God's word and see what God has to say to you. God wants to communicate with you. Take some time to communicate with him and he'll speak to you. He'll give you something from his word that is specifically for you. That's one way to position yourself to hear from God. Communicate with him. Read his word. Ask him what he wants you to know. Spend some time hearing from God and what he has to say to you. The second step to discovering my life mission involves submitting to Jesus' authority. Submitting to Jesus' authority. Your life mission is only fulfilled when you submit to his mission, to God's mission. If your mission is about you, if your mission in life is about your priorities, then you will never be fulfilled. You will always feel like there's something more, there's something missing in life if your mission is about you. Submission, literally, sub means under. Submission means putting myself under somebody else's mission. And in this case, we want to put ourselves in submission to God's mission. So the disciples put themselves in a place to hear from Jesus. They went to Galilee. And when they got there, Matthew 28, verse 17, it says, when they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. They worshiped, but some doubted. When they saw him, they worshiped. Why do you think they worshiped Jesus when they saw him? I know Perry's not here. You don't think you have to answer. (laughs) Why do you think? Why do you think when they saw Jesus, they worshiped? They were beginning to think... If this, if this man rose from the dead and all the things we've seen him do and all the things we've heard him say, it, it's a stretch to say this, but they're beginning to think this must be the Son of God. This must be God. And they worshiped him as God. They're acknowledging him as God, this, this man who is, is walking the earth, they're worshiping him as God, submitting their lives to him. Now, it also says that some doubted. Some doubted. I'm not sure why they were doubting. I'm not sure who it was that was doubting. But I can understand a little bit. If, if some of these people are worshiping him as God... It's hard enough to believe that this man is actually alive after we watched him die. It's an even further stretch of faith to acknowledge him as God. Some doubted whether he was really God or not. But regardless of whether they were worshiping or whether they were doubting, either way, their attention was focused on Jesus. And notice Jesus' response 
to the worshipers and to the doubters. It says, Jesus came near. Then Jesus came near. So whether you were here recognizing Jesus as God today, submitting to him as God, or if you're here still exploring, still, still wondering, is this Jesus really God? Is he really somebody to submit myself to? Either way, if you seek him, he'll come near. And when he came near, he affirmed what the worshipers were feeling. He affirmed his authority. He affirmed that he is God. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He's basically saying, I'm in charge of everything. I'm above everything, in charge of everything. Now, if you heard that, if I heard that, I'd say either, either this man is God or he's crazy. One of the two. And he affirmed himself as God. And we believe the disciples accepted that, affirmed that, because the New Testament many times affirms the fact that Jesus is God. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says, God has given Jesus the name above every name. Colossians 1, 15 through 20 says that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. All things are created by him and through him. He's head of his body, the church. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says, all the fullness of God dwells in him bodily. The whole fullness of God dwells in Jesus bodily, saying that he is God. He is over all authority. There is no higher authority than Jesus. So whether we submit to him or not, Jesus has all authority. And carrying out God's mission starts with submitting to his authority. And so Jesus says, therefore, since I have all authority, I'm going to give you a mission. I'm going to give you an assignment that I'll actually carry out through you. And whether you accept it or not, this is your life mission. You will not be fulfilled in life until you accept this mission, until you put yourself in submission to God's mission. So one question to ask today is, do I submit to the authority of Jesus? Do I recognize him as God? Or do I still want to run my own life? Do I want to be the God of my own life? The mission that he has for you specifically, the purpose that he's given to you uniquely, includes the general mission that he's given to all of his followers, that he has for all believers. So discovering my life mission involves, number three, reproducing disciples. Reproducing disciples. The mission that God gives me is not just for me. I'm blessed in order to be a blessing to others. God has given me a mission. God has made me a disciple so that I can reproduce more disciples. He says in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, here's the mission. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Mark 16, 15 says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole creation. Then back in Matthew 28, he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. So this mission is, 
It's for those of you who are followers of Jesus, but it's also for all believers everywhere, and it's given so that everyone could have life. He wants you to be a disciple and to make disciples. Now, similar versions of this um, mission are given in all four Gospels and in the book of Acts. We listed them on your outline there, Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Mark 16, 15, Luke 24, 46 through 48, John 20, verse 21, and Acts 1, verse 8. And Acts 1, 8 spells out who is included in the phrase all nations. When he says make disciples of all nations, who is included in that? Acts 1, 8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So he says, you will be my witnesses. You will tell what you've experienced with me, first in Jerusalem, in the place where you are now, then in Judea, like in the whole state or the whole region, and in Samaria. He specifies the people, the Samaritans, that they wouldn't even talk to. The Jewish people didn't, didn't talk to, uh, didn't associate with. He says, yes, you'll be my witnesses to them too. And then to the ends of the earth, to everyone, everywhere. I want everyone to have life. And the mission is to go make disciples. Go make disciples. Whether you interpret it as go or whether you interpret it as as you are going, either way, intentionally, go make disciples You can't make a disciple without being a disciple. So reproduce yourself. Reproduce what God has done in you. What is a disciple? A disciple is a learner, a student, uh, one who follows the instructions of the master. When Jesus chose his his closest disciples in Mark 3.14, we see the purpose of a disciple. Mark 3.14 says, He appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach. There's two things in that verse that says, uh, that notes the purpose of a disciple. What are those two things? What two things do you see? Be with him, and send them out to preach. So the purpose of a disciple is that we're to be with our master and that we're to represent our master. Be with the master, spend time with the master, get to know the master, understand what he's teaching us, and then represent the master. Know his teachings, carry them out, live them out, be an example of his teachings, share them with others. So be with the master, represent the master. That's the purpose of a a disciple. So how do I make more disciples? How do I reproduce what Jesus has done in me? Well, if you are physically alive, which I think is most of you in here, there's naturally within you an urge to reproduce. And when we are true disciples of Jesus, the spirit within you urges you There's something inside that urges you to reproduce that in others, to share it with others. We don't all do it so well, but there is something inside where we feel like that's what we should be doing, sharing what Jesus has done in us 
with somebody else. So how do I do that? How do I go reproduce myself? How do I go make disciples? Well, first thing it says is baptizing them. What does, that, what does it mean by that, baptizing them? Well, that includes introducing other people to Jesus. Acts 1, 8 said, you'll be witnesses. So be a witness. Simply share how God has worked in you. Whatever Jesus has done for you, how he's worked in you, just tell somebody else about that. For me, I receive forgiveness of my sins. I receive forgiveness because he died for me. And he has given me assurance of eternal life because he rose from the dead. I'm forgiven and I can live forever with, in heaven with him because I believe that Jesus died for me, that he rose from the dead, and I receive him as my Lord and master of my life. Do you remember how that happened for you? It's unique for each one of us. You are the expert witness on what Jesus has done in your life. You are the only one who can tell the story, the unique story of what Jesus has done in you. And you have the opportunity to share that with others. So it starts with just telling others what Jesus has done in you. And if someone accepts that Jesus died for them and rose from the dead and surrenders their life to him, they become a disciple. They become a child of God. And if that is true, then there will be an urge in them to let others know what happened. They want others to know, this is what happened to me. I've been forgiven. I've been born again. I want others to know. It's the first step of reproducing ourselves. So how do we let people know what Jesus has done in us? How do we get started? Well, God has given us a way to do that. That's baptism. We can start by being baptized to publicly demonstrate that I no longer live for myself, that I have died to self, my old life is dead, and I'm raised to live a new life by faith in Jesus. Baptism is a symbol of God's work in you. It's a way to start sharing with others what God has done in me. Mark 16, 16, in your reading, says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So belief and baptism are closely associated here. The inward receiving of Jesus happens with belief. It happens with faith, with trust. True faith or trust is followed by external action. And baptism is a step we can take of action, of publicly acknowledging our faith in Christ. But baptism is not what saves you. It is not what makes you a child of God. It's unbelief that prevents you from being saved, not the lack of being baptized. Mark 16 didn't say the one who does not get baptized will be condemned. It says the one who doesn't believe. Uh, the rest of Scripture, the rest of the New Testament helps us see that it is our faith. It is through faith that we become a child of God, not through a work. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says we're saved by grace, the grace of God through faith. And, it, and that, even that is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not, a, not of works. Baptism is a, is a work, something we can do. So we're saved by our faith, even before we're baptized. But being a disciple means I'm obedient to the master. 
And so if I'm obedient to the master, it includes I'm going to share that blessing that I've received with others. I'm going to share that good news of what God has done in me with others. And baptism is given as the beginning step of expressing our obedience to the master, our obedience to Christ, our submission to his authority. And that's a a simple way we can share that blessing that we've received with others. So go make disciples, baptizing them, introducing them to Jesus, sharing with them what he's done in you, and then help them start on the path of sharing that with others, what God's done in them by baptizing them. And then next, Jesus said, teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. Teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. I think another sign that someone has truly become a disciple of Jesus is is that they'll be hungry to know what Jesus says. What does Jesus have to say to me? What does he want me to do? What does he want me to know? They'll have a hunger and urge to read God's word. And so teach it to them. Read God's word for yourself and what God says to you, share that with somebody else. His words are words of life. So we wanna share life with others. Teach them what the word says. So being a disciple means being with Jesus and then sharing with others what he's teaching you through his word. So if you've trusted your life to Jesus, there will be evidence. Some evidence we all have. The urge to share it, like in baptism and telling others. The urge to know his word, to know what Jesus says. We'll also begin to develop new characteristics uh, called the fruit of the spirit. Galatians 5, and 23 says the fruit of the spirit is Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These characteristics will start to show in us. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is. It doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit are. It says the fruit of the Spirit is, meaning all nine of those characteristics are to be be showing in us, begin to be developing, sprouting in us, developing in us. So all of us are to have some of those signs of of being a believer, but there are also signs that we're a disciple of Jesus that we do not all have, that are unique to each person, like spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that when we receive the Spirit of God, we each receive a spiritual gift, but we don't all receive the same gift. It's unique to each one of us. And I believe the signs that are in Mark 16, verses 17 and 18, are in the same category of spiritual gifts. We have some of these signs, some of us have some of these signs, but not all of us have all of these signs. Mark 16, 17 and 18 says, these signs will accompany those who believe. These are the words of Jesus. He says, in my name they will drive out demons. We see that happening in the New Testament. They'll speak with new tongues. That also happened in the New Testament. They'll pick up snakes. Paul picked up a snake and was bitten, wasn't harmed. If they should drink anything deadly, it will never harm them. We don't, we don't read that in the New Testament. And then they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll get well. We also see that happening to the disciples in the New Testament. So there are instances in the Bible of some disciples doing some of these things, except for drinking something deadly and surviving. But we do not see all disciples doing all of these things. So some of these signs are like spiritual gifts. 
We all have some evidence that Christ lives in us if we've trusted our life to him, but we don't have all of the same signs or all of the same gifts. But we should all exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. We should be growing in our love for God, growing in our love for people, living more like Jesus. So your life will find its unique purpose and its fulfillment in becoming a disciple, becoming a follower of Jesus, and then in sharing that experience with others. We're here to share it, not just to hoard it, to share our experience with others. And so whether we choose to accept it or not, our life mission is reproducing disciples, pursuing a relationship with Jesus, and helping others to do so. Jesus gave that mission to all of us, but he knew that we wouldn't be able to fulfill that mission in our own power. So discovering my life mission involves remembering and relying on Jesus. Remembering and relying on Jesus. The mission of sharing with others what God has done in me, that mission does not belong to me. The mission actually belongs to Jesus. It's his mission. And he wants me to partner in submission to his mission. That's why it's called the great co-mission. It's a partnership with his mission. So I cannot carry out the mission without him, without his power, without his guidance. The good news is Jesus promises to always be with us. Matthew 28, 20. He says, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. I am with you always. Jesus was standing before his disciples and he said, remember, I am with you always. Now, do you see a problem with that statement? You see how the disciples might have been a little confused by that statement? Why would they be confused by that? Yeah, because he, he's human. He's standing there human. How can he be with us always? Can you see Jesus standing here as a human? How can he be with all of his followers always? Well, Jesus knew that he couldn't do that in human form. But he knew that he can do that as a spirit. His spirit, his Holy Spirit can live in us in our minds, in our bodies. He can live in the lives of those who have surrendered their life to him. Jesus said in John 14, verse 26, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, he says, the Father will send him in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. He says, the Father will send the Holy Spirit, the representative of Jesus, actually God in spirit. Jesus was God in flesh. The Holy Spirit is God in spirit. He says he will teach you and remind you what I have said. He'll be with you. He will be Jesus with you. Probably one of the biggest hindrances to experiencing the transformed life that God has for me is that I forget that Jesus is with me. You ever forget that Jesus is with you? Jesus said, remember, 
I'm with you always. That's a key to carrying out the mission. One of the biggest hindrances to carrying out the mission God has for me is trying to do it on, on my own power. I got this. Okay, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the instruction. I got this now. I can take care of this. And I forget that Jesus is with me, and I forget that I can't do this mission without him. So how do I remember and rely on Jesus? How do I experience Remember and experience his presence and relate with him. Well, we go back to the first point. Position yourself to hear from God. Communicate with God. Read his word. Talk to him. Ask him what he wants you to know. John 6, 63 says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, the spirit alone gives eternal life. I can't give you eternal life. We can't give each other eternal life. The spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. My effort accomplishes nothing. And, the, and he says, and the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. The words that Jesus spoke through the Bible, the words that he will speak to us in our minds, they are spirit and they are life. And so... I want the words of Jesus in my mind so that when the Spirit of God works in my mind, I can recognize those as words of Jesus. And it helps me remember that Jesus is with me. And it helps me remember that it is his power that is flowing through me. It's not by my power. So ask God. Read his word. Ask him, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to do? John 15, verse 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me, who holds tightly to me, and I in him, produces much fruit. It It just comes out of me. If I hang on to Jesus, I continue to experience him, the fruit, the Christ likeness, the wanting to tell others will just come out of me. He says, he produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. I can do nothing without Christ. You know, I was thinking recently, I have to confess to you, I was praying, thinking, Lord, could I just have a different role here at the church where I don't have to make any decisions? Could, could, could somebody just tell me what to do? You know how I feel? Yes, you know how I feel. Could somebody just tell me what to do? You'll tell me what to do, won't you? Yes, you'll tell me what to do. I will listen to my wife. She says, I listen, but I don't do what she says. <laughs> Could somebody just tell me what to do? And I, as I was praying that, I believe this was the spirit in my mind talking to me. I sensed this in my mind. If somebody told you what to do, you probably wouldn't want to do what they say anyway. Besides, they're not your decisions to make. They're mine. So just ask me. And just I felt this uh, mix of conviction and weight coming off my shoulders. Relaxation. It's not my decisions to make. It's God's. I can be in the presence of Jesus when I just ask him by his spirit being with me, by his words being in my mind. I can also be in the presence of Jesus. I can remember he's with me 
when I connect with a few of you. Jesus is present. He's here when we get together with other followers. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. So God has designed us so that the spirit of Jesus shows himself in different ways through each of us. And when we get together, we experience a more complete picture of the body of Christ. That's another reason why connecting with other Christians is so important. Because it gives us an experience with Jesus, an experience of Jesus, that we don't have when it's just me and Jesus alone. Us together, we experience the body of Christ in a whole different way than we do with him alone. Jesus is with us, but he's also present and working in the lives of those he's drawing to himself, working in the lives of those who don't even know him yet, working in the lives of those that he wants us to share our experience with. And we will encounter Christ as we share our experience with Christ with those who don't know him yet. We hear people say, we're going to take Jesus to them. We're going to take Jesus to the world. Jesus is already there. He's already working. We will meet him as we go and share our experience with Christ with those who don't know him. Jesus wants us to experience the transformed life, not just the life we're born with. And a key part of that life is partnering with him in his mission to make disciples of everyone. So let's put ourselves in a place to hear from God, to speak to us. Let's submit to his authority and then reproduce in others what he's done in us, what he's said to us, how he's worked in us. And the whole time we do that, remember to rely on Jesus. And we will find him and we'll find real life in that process. Today I believe Jesus is here in the form of the Holy Spirit. He's here in us. He's with us. And I believe he wants to speak to us uniquely, individually. So in a moment as we pray, ask him, what's my next step with you? What do you want me to know? We have counselors coming to the front now who will be available up front here and also in the care connection room. They'll be here to pray with you. They'll be here to ask, answer questions. They'll be here to talk with you about your relationship with Jesus. So let's talk with him right now. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for um, giving us an experience with you, showing us the experience of the disciples during the time you walked on earth as a human, but also we thank you for speaking to us in our minds now. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak to each person what you want them to know. And, Father, I pray that if there are those here who who need some help with their next step, I pray that you'd guide them to someone who who can pray with them and talk with them. And, Lord, we thank you for how you'll work today. We thank you for giving us the opportunity to be a part of what you're doing in this world. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being here.
Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience transformed life. If you have any questions about this message or you would like to request prayer, we encourage you to visit our website at brookwoodchurch.org forward slash get help. You can also find our message archives on our website or on our Brookwood app. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed day.